Playfully, the podcast that talks with the most playful people I know and asks them how they got to be so playful. I'm Emily Cordy Straff. My guest today is a coach, an entrepreneur, a health and well being enthusiast, a public speaker, and of course, a professional player of the juggling kind. He holds a PhD in biomedical informatics. Though he's gotten a bit away from his desk to create a workshop series for therapists and body workers to develop coordination exercises that are a little more like play. The workshop's called Hand-Eye Body Academy, and it's helping people like occupational and physical therapists to work with children and patients with things like Parkinson's disease to be more successful through playful challenges and movements. Please welcome Dr. Jacob Weiss. Thank you for having me. Yeah, thank you so much for being here. Would you say that you're good at playing? Uh, I think I enjoy it. I don't know. <laughs> I don't know if I would say good or, or not good, but I definitely enjoy it. I think that's just primary. <laughs> you gotta like it. Is there someone in your past that you learned to play from or who you think of when you think of playing as a child? I, I don't know if, if it's any specific person but i think a lot of it was growing up we didn't have a tv at home uh and so my brother and i would well we would read a lot of comics but other than that we do a lot of adventuring outside or playing and and i learned to uh, uh juggle when i was around 10 years old uh, my brother and i learned from uh, the magazine 321 contact which had it was a show but also a magazine learning for kids and so there was an article on learning to juggle and so we just did that and kept going wow so did you live like in the mountains where you couldn't get <laughs> any <laughs> television no, I, th I think uh, our parents had a tv my brother is about two to three years older and they had a TV when he was younger, but then maybe it broke and they said, yeah, we're not getting another one. <laughs> so it was more of just the active choice of, of not having it. But I think it, it really worked well because it got me playing in other ways, uh, more active. I played basketball, doing a lot of ball handling. I don't know if you know uh, uh, Pete Maravich, who was a, a basketball player known for ball handling tricks and drills. And so I, I practiced that even before I started juggling and uh, spinning a ball on my finger with basketball. So uh, even before the juggling, I was doing that kind of um, mm -hmm. activity. According to my mom, I would always have a racquetball in my hand as a baby. So I guess I, it's been like that <laughs> as long as I can not even remember. As a toy or a weapon? I think both, but uh, yeah. <laughs> at different times. <laughs> Oh my gosh, that's so amazing. Well, you know, uh, my parents didn't have a television for uh, a number of years. We went through, I mean, I lived on a farm and so sometimes the the TV would break and my mom hated television. Like we could never watch it really. Whenever she was around, she'd just be like, oh, it's awful. You know? <laughs> so that's so interesting. I love how you... Um, credit that for um, making you more playful. Mm -hmm. Definitely. But you also have an interesting background that you have come to. Um, you have a, a doctorate in bioinformatics, right? Yes. Yeah. And uh, so, yeah, so that I, you know, I was undergrad in computer science and then did my PhD in biomedical informatics and and yeah, I don't, but I don't think in many ways the research is too different than the juggling and the play in terms of, of how I approached it. It was even in undergrad, it was always, hey, what if I try this? Uh, and, ex you know, it's experimenting. Play is experimenting. Research is experimenting. Mm -hmm. And then I also, in undergrad, was, was putting on shows with the juggling club. Uh, and so my research in computer science was developing 
juggling controlled musical instruments with sensors and <laughs> and things like that. So so even the research was play itself there. But even in grad school where it wasn't research on juggling, uh, it was it was looking at how we can develop uh, online communities, online tools for health and wellness and and sharing in local communities and awareness. Uh, and it was very much community based participatory research uh, methods. So it's really learning from the community, collaborating with community and partners and families. And so even the process, I always would say that the aha moment of getting an idea for a juggling act or physical comedy is the same as making that connection for research, right? It's a lot of comedy is like, oh, what if we connect this to this in unexpected ways? And, 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 and play is, is that exploration. And that's what research often is. It's you are observing and paying attention and say, hey, that's kind of like this. Let's explore that a little more. Uh, let's listen uh, and really understand what, what people are experiencing. And so a lot of the, the process I feel to the research was not really different than the process to putting together a juggling show. That's incredible that you just linked computer data and my, you know, kind of like computer mining data with play and community interaction. I don't think yeah, I would yes. make those connections. <laughs> <laughs> but and it's not that I was explicitly really trying to, it was just I was doing the things that I was doing and noticing that the, the process uh, in my head that was operating was not too different. Mm -hmm. Well, yeah, I mean, it really shows that you have a pretty vibrant social world and that you kind of pay attention a lot to the social world too, to really know what people are doing, what links there are to um, humanity and, and what. Yeah, I think I'm, a lot of it comes, you know, from listening, right? It's listening and observing, um, which is core to a lot of uh, uh, research, especially qualitative research, it, to listening to your client or your patient, uh, really understanding them from a holistic perspective of what the challenges are, what the opportunities, what they might really gravitate towards engaging in. And, and, and it, it's, the same with, you know, if you're, I, you know, one example, uh, as I was walking by, a, I think it was like a lamp store that was going out of business. And I was like, oh, let me look and see what's in there. And I just randomly walked in, saw some of the pedestals that the lamps were on. I'm like, oh, I wonder if I could bounce balls off of these at different heights. So I was like, ah, let me just get them there. Basically, not much money. They were going out of business. And so tried to walk home with, they were pretty heavy, actually, but, <laughs> but, uh, <laughs> But, but yeah, it's like, oh, let's just go try this. Let's go observe and, and think. Or if you hear a song and paying attention, oh, that makes me, I can move in this way to that uh, with this type of, of prop or whatever it is. It, it's, it's, if you're paying attention, then the opportunities come to you as opposed to you having to try to find opportunities to create. Hmm. Yeah. So wait, you were throwing balls at the lamppost, the like one inch wide. No, there is, they're like about a, you know, uh, maybe a foot by a foot uh, uh, in terms of the, the top that the lamps would sit on. And they had some that were like one foot high, one, two feet high, three feet high. So I made kind of different stair steps to bounce balls off of uh, them for an act. Uh, but, but yeah, it was, it was, that just is something I remember in terms of, of the idea coming from not trying to really be sitting there thinking of what could I come up with for juggling? It was just, let's go explore this place I've never been in. And, and then I wasn't even really thinking about any specific act, but, but by being there and showing up, then you learn. It's uh, a similar thing about showing up. I, I often will say that the best places to connect for whether it's for research in the community, collaborating or, or business is, is if you're at an event, helping clean up the tables at the end of the event, because 
showing up there, the same people who show up to help at the end and clean up, even if that's not their job, are probably the right folks that you want to be connecting with anyways. And so, uh, right, it's observing, but it's, it's also just showing up and being present and putting yourself into situations that you can observe. Hmm. Yeah. So like thinking about who are the people in your community that you want to, who are active and who you want to connect with and like being, finding your way to those spaces. Yeah. It's, it's showing, showing up in a genuine way, not just kind of doing it to connect, but if you show up in a genuine way, the people who also show up in a genuine way will be there to connect with. Mm. Can you give an example of like when you've done, that's really a great uh, little morsel of wisdom. Can you give an example of like what that has led to for you in your life? Yeah. Uh, I mean, even just an example of, of cleaning up after an event, uh, my research, a lot of my research with my PhD was uh, after it was focused on cancer survivorship and support. And yeah, it was an event uh hosted by one of the cancer organizations and I was there attending and participating um, uh, from my role in the community doing the work and yeah, was helping clean up at the end and one of the other people there helping clean up is someone who uh, just became a really good collaborator and friend and um, has opened the doors to other connections and um, so yeah, that was uh, when I when I give that example, it was that a very specific uh, time that I remember and and think of. Mm -hmm. Different from just um, maybe going to uh, a bar or hanging out at the gym. or or even or even going to a conference and showing up at registration and then leaving when it ends. Uh, it's it's there are times uh, if you're kind of going above and beyond or or just looking for those uh, opportunities to connect uh, mm -hmm. outside of the normal operating hours. Yeah, I mean, from my uh, childhood experience, I think that you would have been called a teacher's pet. <laughs> uh, I don't know, maybe, maybe uh, the class clown combined with with Ooh. that maybe got more in trouble than, than teacher's pet, but uh, but that works too. <laughs> the positive spin on the class clown i like right <laughs> <laughs> well is play important yeah I, I think it um it's it's important for mental health uh if you're uh, even for the not just if you're you know supporting other people in play i think uh being in an environment where you are playing with other people, right? If you're the teacher or a therapist or, or coach and, and you're not just supporting someone else's play, but you are enjoying the process at the same time you're playing together, that's important, you know, not, get, not getting burned out. Uh, uh, it's important just to be enjoying what you're doing. Uh, and one of the uh, quotes that I like to, to quote from uh, Victor Borga, an old comedian. Uh, he said, laughter is the shortest distance between two people. And so without any words, you're connecting on a fundamentally human level. Uh, and, and so play, laughter, music, whatever it is, mm -hmm. is, is it's not just for yourself and your own mental health, but it's a way to connect with other people, whether it's your family and friends or if it's a student and teacher or a client, uh, being able to connect uh, opens the doors to so many good things uh, for wellness and and really anything. Yeah. I love that quote. I haven't heard that one before, but like, you know, playfully is all about the idea that play can connect us and that we can have a more connected world if we just kind of look for the ways to play with each other or just play ourselves and then mm -hmm. it can attract people to us. Do you find that for you? Yeah, I, I think it's, it's if, if you have that 
energy and enthusiasm towards something, then other people can gravitate that. It gives them permission to, to play. A lot of times people might feel uncomfortable or self-conscious about playing. But if, if you're playing, then it, it opens uh, that chance for them to be able to play as well that they might otherwise play. And I think there, there's a subtle thing. So a lot of what I do with, with the juggling and we have it, uh, our shows, it's myself and uh, two other jugglers and you know, my closest friends. And, and we're just, it's the three of us and it's, we're up on stage playing together and sharing that with the audience. We're not telling a joke to the audience for the audience to laugh, right? It's we're playing together and inviting them, uh, the audience to share in that energy with us. And I think not just on stage, but, but if, if one person is out on the grass playing, juggling or whatever, then someone might be able to come up to them. But if two or three people are there playing, then it really, shows people, hey, maybe this is something I can go join in. And so, especially when you think about playing, playing not just by yourself, but playing with other people, that really starts to open um, connection to more people to invite themselves to join. Mm -hmm. Yeah, just some kind of like social uh, fire gets kind of uh, activated in our brain to say, oh, there's not just one person over there kind of doing their own thing that they wouldn't want me to interrupt. There's a couple. So maybe I could also join in. Yeah, there's a there's a, a great TED talk on how to start a movement. And it's kind of it talks about there is the the person who's starting the movement. But then the real key is the first follower, right? That first follower shows other people that they can also join. Uh, and so it's similar to that in a, in a lot of ways that uh, the dynamics of that first core group of play, or you've got the individual playing, but then you've got that kind of a core group playing, which opens the door to even bigger group of play. Mm -hmm. Well, you know, it's funny. I interviewed Kim Skips a couple of years, a couple of weeks ago, and um, uh, Kim Corbin she lives in San Francisco and she started this skipping movement where she, you know, goes out and skips, um, you know, just in around the neighborhood and stuff. And I think, um, and now she's just kind of, kind of has a following who just are really excited for her. And she's done um, a unicorn parade and, and just, you know, skipping. But I think about that. And I think about like, in, in terms of if I see someone skipping in my community, I, and there's just one person I go, Hmm, that's, you know, odd, right? Mm -hmm. That's just kind of how, how I think. And I think that's how a lot of us think. Mm -hmm. But if there's a number of people skipping, mm -hmm. you know, it's kind of like, Oh, they're having fun. That looks mm -hmm. fun. You know, it just, it's something about having another person. I had never thought of that, but that's great. What's the Ted talk again? Uh, I think it's, uh, how to start a movement, okay. uh, I'm pretty sure it's called something like that. <laughs> nice. Well, and you have a lot of experience doing some group um, or public speaking where you're being a motivational um, speaker for, um, you know, large companies hire you, mm -hmm. I would think, and things like that, right? Yeah. Uh, yeah, it's, it's, it's funny because all my uh performing from the juggling has always been physical comedy right we'll have a hour plus long show where we're not speaking at all uh <laughs> but then the but the but from the speaking it's not so much of the way i, I present it. it's not so much that i'm you know getting everyone energized in a like you know kind of tony robbins uh forceful way it's more of me sharing my enthusiasm, getting other people excited, getting every people to try things, getting people up and moving. Mm -hmm. um, so it so in that way, it, even when it's by myself with the speaking, uh, it still is just like I said with with our performing. It's us having fun on stage and sharing that with the audience as opposed to telling a joke. It, with the speaking, it's the same thing. It's me sharing lessons I've learned and and ideas that can help people make connections in their work. 
and sharing the juggling and sharing the play and having everyone get up and playing and moving together. Uh, it's, it's kind of right. It's an interactive keynote as opposed to just standing mm -hmm. there and, and talking. Um, but again, it, it, I feel it comes from the, the same foundation as a lot of the other things I do. Hmm. Well, it sounds like it really taps into people's kind of um, um, tendency to want to play, but also tendency to have play kind of uh, elevate one's uh, energy, but also open them and prime them for learning or for... Oh, yeah. I mean, it's it's the examples that I use, for example, with, with juggling, where the play is exploration, it's trial and error. I talk a lot about growth mindset that you get from, from playing and, and doing something where there's not high pressure or high stakes, but you get to practice trying something, getting comfortable with, with being uncomfortable, getting used to getting in that beginner's mindset. And if you can get into that mindset through play, then when it's something more significant uh, for your work, or for this big career move that you want to do or whatever it is with the play you're used to saying i don't know if it'll work but i know if i keep trying i might be able to get it then you can you can say oh i remember that way of thinking when i'm playing let me apply this to uh, what i'm doing it's so easy to to just get into the mode of oh i couldn't do that uh, and so the more you can practice saying I know if I put in the time and the practice, I could do it. And you practice that with play, then you'll be able to quickly jump to that way of thinking when you have something else. And I've used that uh, for myself even. So when our, our daughter was uh, maybe up till three or so, uh, just had really uh, bad eczema. And so she's scratching and staying up all night. And eventually she wasn't staying up all night because we were just up scratching her so <laughs> she could go to sleep. And, and I remember using the, the metaphor with juggling. I talk about the, you know, it's all the trying and dropping and you know, taking the time to pause and breathe. Uh, and that's kind of the, the foundation for, for learning to juggle. And, so I, and that's the metaphor I, I teach and use uh, in my keynotes. And so I'm scratching her in the middle of the night and not sleeping. And so I, instead of being frustrated, I, I thought, okay, we're in the trying and dropping phase now. But if I can remember to pause and breathe, then I know eventually we'll get there. And so it allowed me to, to kind of shift my perspective to stay present in the moment, appreciate the moment, as opposed to being frustrated uh, with it. And and so it's that kind of having that hook or way to tap into that uh, is can be really powerful. Uh, and I've had groups say that you know they're starting a group project, uh, you know, a couple months after I did a program with them, and they're like, okay, we'll have a lot of trying and dropping, right? And so it becomes that metaphor that you you don't just hear as a metaphor, but you experience it, you really feel it when you play with it. And then you can tap into not just that idea, but that feeling at a later point. Mm -hmm. Yeah, like feeling it, feeling that mindset of play within your body, so mm -hmm. that you can get to it quicker. Yeah, it's. I always say it's like did, when you learn to juggle, it's like, and you kind of make the throw and catch in the the right sequence, and you're like, did you feel that? Right. Mm -hmm. It's not just did you figure it out. You really feel it with your movement, and so having something with play that you can really feel with your body gives just a deeper uh, anchor and connection to connecting into that feeling. Kind of it creates that bridge through your body uh, to your mind when you're uh, in that situ uh, related situation at another time. Yeah, that's a really fascinating clue, a really fascinating direction is like, because it's really kind of about your attention and noticing and having uh, you, one as a coach, you would maybe be the coach, right? But it's like, and I do this sometimes too in OT is like really 
um, focusing? Did you feel that? Did you, you know, like if I'm trying to work on handwriting or, you know, any of the things that I find myself working on with a, a child with, um, you know, when they make uh, the letter A, did you feel that it went around like this and giving it some, a lot of multisensory input to like then get it in the body so that you can actually feel it. And so it sounds to me like what you um, have really honed into is like that play mindset that that has so many affordabilities for uh, not being perfectionistic, trying some things with that and not being fearful that the first things you try are not going to work. Yeah. And, and I work with, with uh, groups and companies on innovation and, and that try that just ability to try something if you're, you know, you're not quite sure where it's going to go, but just to try something new is so important for, you know, it's the scientific method, right? Yeah. Uh, yeah. It's the same thing as uh, uh, that experimenting is the same thing as play. Um, and I think creativity and play and exploration are all, all interweaving together in, in mm -hmm. forming that, that type of mindset. Yeah. And I know that I noticed for myself, you know, I can get pretty down on myself if I make mistakes and things like that, you know, and I think, I think that's certainly been sort of something that I, I've, I've been trained to do right, and we we train we train people to kind of uh, by reprimanding them if they mm -hmm. make a mistake or things like that. I think the next podcast I'm going to do is a you know what mistakes have you made yeah. so that we can just kind of go on like, yeah. let's normalize mistakes, please. And, and right, so if you grow up in society, you're gonna feel those things about uh, making mistakes or perfectionism. And so, so a lot of the way I think about it, right, for myself too, it's, it's not about never having those automatic thoughts pop into your head. That's yeah. going to happen because you grew up living in society uh, where that's been, been part of <laughs> how you, your brain has been trained. But it, so it's not about never thinking that and never feeling that. It's about being able to hear yourself when you say that and recognize yeah. when you're feeling that so that you can more consciously correct yourself uh, uh, to frame it in a different way. So it, the practice isn't on not having those thoughts pop into your head. You mean That's you're not, not going to let me beat myself up about that? <laughs> right, yeah. So it's not practicing to not have those thoughts pop into your head. The, the practice is, is to recognize mm -hmm. and hear when those thoughts pop up and rec recognize how they fit this framework and what you can do to to pivot or or shift that that thinking and you know even from years of of teaching juggling as growth mindset and and all the uh those pieces i would still say for a long time that i can't sing right i've never been able to you know, carry a tune, let's say, or I don't know if, what my range is. I don't know, you know, uh, uh, I've never really uh, been good at that. And so I would always say, oh, I can't sing. So even if I'm teaching people with the juggling and they say, oh, don't say you can't juggle. You haven't really, you know, put in the practice. Of course, you don't know if you can or you can't yet. And, but I'd still say that about myself. And so, but then I was like, okay, wait, I could sing if I, put in the time if I got a vocal lessons, right? I haven't done any of those things. So I, so I use that as an example too of, right? I could sing if I really put in that effort and you don't have to put in the time to everything. It's okay to say, I could do that if I wanted to practice it. I'm gonna to choose to spend my time doing something else, but it's the difference of knowing that you could do it mm -hmm. if you wanted to is the, the key there. Mm -hmm. Like watch your mouth because it does, it does cause your mind to mm -hmm. get in a rut and mm -hmm. make priorities for you that uh, you maybe are are so uh, maybe subconsciously is uh, directing you um, unsuccessfully. Mm -hmm. Definitely. Nice. Um. Well, so. 
What makes play fun? We talked a little bit about it and about being mindset oriented, but what else? I, I think, I mean, I think it can be different for different people. For me, a lot of my play, right, with the juggling, with the basketball is movement. Uh, and so uh, it's, it's, right, it's that feeling that the movement that you get uh, that I enjoy. It's uh, kind of, it's a way to explore, even if it's not extreme movement, it's still just a way to explore the world around you uh, with an open mind and creativity. And, and it's like, oh, what would, what would happen if I combine that with that and, and then play with it? So it, it's, it, to me, it's that experimenting and, oh, I wonder what would happen if, you know, we did this, which is, again, which is why it's the play with research is, feels the same in many ways to me. Uh, uh, it's, it's not just about, you can juggle and, and have juggling be just the patterns and more mm -hmm. of the athleticism and, and kind of the, the structured movement, but a lot of the, the way, which I like that too, but the play part to me comes in just thinking about, oh, what could we do differently with this shape? Or when you take this shape and, and bring in this and then do this or, or connecting it to pop culture references. And so it's when you start combining different things uh, and seeing what comes out, uh, it's, it's more cerebral mixed in with the movement, uh, I think is what I enjoy. Mm hmm. So play that kind of taps into a little improvisation mm -hmm. that kind of gets to new ideas forming with old patterns or old things that we've learned. Yeah. And when you can, you know, if you compare it to improv or improv comedy, right, a lot of improv comedy doesn't have to be with a group, but a lot of the dynamics uh, that one thinks of with improv comedy is with other people. Uh, in some ways, I'm doing improv with the objects, right? So I can be by myself, but I'm surrounded by the beanbag here and the stick here and and the cup. And it's like, oh, what can we do together? So it's like the, they become the improv troupe uh, that you can play even if, uh, even if you're not around other people. And especially with COVID, where I started developing a lot, not just of the performing side, but the the exercises with different tools and objects uh, where I couldn't do as much with the, the partner or group dynamics. Uh, I think it's right. You have that external uh, object can be like another person or something that you're interacting with. It, it, it makes it external to you. Uh, even some things like uh, I might not feel like the most confident dancer if I were just going out somewhere. But if you give me a basketball or juggling three balls, I'll move with it to the music and feel confident with that external uh, piece. So it, it, it's, it, even if it's not other people, you can still do improv with objects that are external to you because you don't always know how they'll move or, or, or interact with you. Interesting. Yeah. Well, I mean, I'm just thinking of like, you know, you kind of have to, uh, when you're just playing with yourself, you, you kind of know your boundaries or for the most part, right? And so when you're playing with another human or when you're playing with other things or even, you know, like your pet or whatever, mm -hmm. you know, you kind of have to uh, negotiate what are the boundaries here? What, what are we looking at here? And how does that feel? And what is that? Yeah. My family is always uh, kind of making fun of me because I'm always like, you know, I'll take a a lid off of, you know, some like plastic jug that I'm putting in the recycling and I'll be like, okay, give me five, five uses for this lid. You know, what would get you do with it? <laughs> yeah, well, it's, it's uh, right. You can find that in any context and I'll do it. Some, you know, I'll say, how many ways can you catch a ball in a cup? Right. It's like giving the difference between assigning a physical exercise or challenge and giving someone the opportunity to 
to come up with their own ideas and, and exercises around it. It taps into more of that play mindset than just the movement. Um, and, but, and I don't even think it has to be, the interesting thing is, in some ways, play doesn't always have to feel fun or, or be smiling and laughing, right? Because a lot of play is that, and I think it's good to have that kind of play, but like I compared it to the research, or if you're honing in on, on hitting a ball with the baseball, it's, 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 it can be a focus, right? So, right, you can have a really serious focus and, and, and trying to get something right and trying to figure out your movement or uh, uh, making connections and, and say, oh, what would this be like, right? To me, that's play, even if it's not just surrounded by the laughter uh, side of things, right? It's the, where the play and the exploration creativity, it's like, when is it one, when is it the other? I don't know. Yeah, yeah. It makes me think of when you're, my experience with um, my own learning an instrument or with um, young people learning an instrument or something kind of hard is that it's it's not very pleasurable at first, and then, you know, if they can kind of, again, like kind of try to get into that mindset just a little bit more often each time, uh, the mindset of, of experience or exploration, uh, then they can kind of go get over the hump. And I've experienced that with music, it's just like getting over the hump of like enjoying it. Yeah, it's, it's kind of, I think if you can make it where building those fundamentals is is a process that that you enjoy if you can enjoy that experimental learning process before you get to just freeform play once you've got all the foundations that play and flow and improv piece that comes with with having a little more foundations is a lot of fun yeah how though that's a good question <laughs> I, I, I think part of it um, if, you know, if you're uh, a coach or a parent or teacher in some sense, is it comes back to the listening and observing, right? Give someone different things and see where their face lights up and, mm -hmm. and give them opportunities to go more in that direction. Um, and, you know, when I would do programs with students, putting together juggling shows more with, with the students, uh, not from the working with professionals, it's, you know, a lot of it was, you know, what types of props were they gravitating towards every weekend at the juggling club practice? And, and by paying attention to that, then I'm like, oh, here, if we're putting this piece together in a show, let me really encourage and ask and invite them to be part of it, give them the confidence that if they practice one specific piece of what they've been enjoying, mm -hmm. they could do an amazing part in this act. And, and, and so it wasn't just randomly, you know, asking someone to, to do something in the show, it was, came from the whole year of paying attention to what they gravitated towards and nurturing that. And, um, and so I think from, from how, how you can help other people do that. Uh, the more you know someone, the more you uh, try different things and see, you know, it's still trial and error uh, mm -hmm. of helping someone. It's, you don't have to be able to perfectly help someone uh, get there right away. It's, it's give yourself chances to try different things with them yeah. uh, and ways that you can support them. And then when you notice something, try to encourage and support uh, that direction and, and see where it goes. Yeah. Maybe just keep an eye on where it is that they light up and uh, go for that whenever you're doing practice and get them over the hump of learning those foundational skills. Yeah, and I, I think it, it might be in a direction that you're not expecting, right? So mm -hmm. for me with, with juggling, I think the juggling and computer science and my academic research by my parents and and social circles supporting both of those directions i was able to do things that 
I wouldn't otherwise have been able to do with just one of them. Mm -hmm. um, and a, a lot of times I think that, you know, the magic is at the intersections between things. And so if, mm -hmm. if you can nurture some, maybe you have the kind of traditional uh, uh, growth and, and things that you're building, but then if you uh, give opportunities for someone to say, hey, I want to try this and, and, mm -hmm. and nurture that direction, whatever you were trying to nurture originally will be so much stronger by having something that they complement it with. And then you can combine them in ways, you know, what I'm doing with hand eye body is very much the combination of the creativity from the juggling and the movement combined mm -hmm. with my research background in sharing health and wellness resources online and using that to make connections, right? The kindergarten teacher can learn from the, the football coach who can learn from the occupational therapist who can learn from the people who work with people with Parkinson's. It's, mm -hmm. it, it's, it's, uh, that, that approach to building that community, uh, came from the research and the context of the bridge and the, the 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 pieces it's built on coming from the juggling it it couldn't have happened if i had only done one or the other uh and so so uh and a lot of times people with with sports they they talk about the value of not just hyper focusing on one sport for youth sports but give kids the chance to play multiple sports and then when they decide to focus on one they'll be stronger as an athlete in that sport because of their multidisciplinary mm -hmm. uh, previous uh, sports. And so uh, if you can, you can apply that to not just sports, but, but other things of, of creating that, yeah. that broad foundation that someone can tap into uh, uh, in, in innovation work and design thinking, it's uh, sometimes called like the drippy T um, where you have like a T shape and there's drips down off of the top of the T. So the deepest one is the, the, the length of that line going down from the T. But there's still other, other pieces and, and areas of experience or expertise that aren't quite as deep that if you have more of those pieces, then it's going to strengthen everything, mm -hmm. um, not just the core thing that you're working on. I love the idea and the vision of the drippy tea, but also just the magic of the intersection. The magic is at the intersection. That's, I think that's brilliant. Yeah. It kind of helps to kind of like, I almost think it gives you the confidence to notice that like, oh, I can do it kind of uh, on a spectrum. I can go either way. I don't have to have to be this rigid uh, curricular thing. And, and you can get there faster by making a connection between two things than having to be that deep expert that takes years and years and years that you know only a few people can get to that level at so like for example one of the acts that we perform in our show is juggling while playing bells on a table so the bells that you you hit for different notes on the table uh and then we're juggling and and tapping the bells at the same time but an audience is gonna really enjoy that because they've never seen that before, but we don't have to be the most, most, you know, advanced music, uh, musician, uh, right. And, and the other two guys in our group, they have a little bit more music background than me, but I have like, you know, zero, <laughs> I said, I can't sing. Right. So I, you know, I don't have any real yeah. traditional, uh, music training, but I can do it enough to yeah. play the bells with my juggling background. And that's what I really spent the time working on. And so I've got that is the juggling is the deeper piece, but I've got a little bit of those drips into the understanding how it can blend with music. And so you don't have to be the best when you find something new at it at an intersection. And a lot of times, because you don't have to be the best other people can tap into that as well. They can relate to it and it, mm -hmm. and appreciate it from an audience with a performance. But like what I'm doing with hand eye body is, is a lot of what I've done is take the, the throws and catches and creative movements from juggling and make it more accessible with one bean bag or two or a cup or, you know, different things like that. And, and so when you make something, when you find those intersections, right, what would juggling, intersecting with occupational therapy look like 
then it becomes more accessible where anyone can tap mm -hmm. into it a lot easier than it feeling like, oh, that's only something that someone who's done it for years could do. Uh, mm -hmm. And I think that's also important for, um, for play or, or in general of finding ways to make things inviting and accessible. Yeah, I mean, I think that kind of speaks to how relational we are. We like to re we we want to be able to relate to people. Not that uh, we aren't inspired by you know the perfect pitch and the perfect uh, you know symphony or whatever, but it really is um, nice whenever we can kind of see ourselves in that performance too. Yeah. Yeah, well, and like, you know, going back to the, the quote I said before of laughter is the shortest distance between two people. And if you replace that with music or right, whatever mm -hmm. the, the play is, uh, it, it's that connection can happen because it's just so fundamental that it's something anyone can do, right? Anyone yeah. Can, yeah. can play and laugh. Right, right, I love that. Well, Jacob, have you ever had a period where you played too hard? Uh, well, talking about the, the physicality of, of juggling and circus, it definitely can get you sore when you're going for hours. You're so focused. <laughs> you're no. so focused on it. Um, uh, and I, I think I'm, I sometimes will, if I'm uh, more like extrovert and introvert, right? Ambivert, where you've got a mix of both. I really enjoy a lot of it, but that doesn't mean I don't need the rest and recovery. Yeah, so having that time to pause and breathe, as I often talk about, is is just as important as just trying and dropping and trying and dropping yeah. over and over. Uh, and they, they complement each other. Um, um, but I think it's, it's right, is if you kind of get yourself where you're almost playing too hard and then giving yourself that time to rest that rest is where you process the learning from all of the intense play i like the idea of resting and processing well it's like when you you know sometimes your brain figures it out when you go to sleep on it yeah. uh it's it's the same thing you can do that uh not quite as consciously when you're sleeping but but even consciously if you with the juggling example if you throw and then you drop and you you don't just pick up the balls but you look around and say oh my throw from my right hand went a little wide and forward mm -hmm. let me see if i can focus on keeping that throw a little closer in next time right so it it's it's the chance to observe um and and think through what you're trying a little more purposefully mm-hmm yeah, I like that. I use that whenever I'm trying to find something that I really have been looking for for the last, you know, maybe an hour or something. And I'm repeatedly going downstairs, upstairs, looking under the couch, looking in the same places. And then if I can kind of just like let my mind just let it go for then I think about another place where I could mm -hmm. look that I hadn't thought before. Mm -hmm. And there it is. Yeah, I I think it, it all relates. <laughs> Well, I'm going to say something kind of uh, Zach Galifianakis style or The Shining style. All work and no play. What does that mean for you? Yeah, yeah I, I think that uh, that you need that balance, right? Like I said, of, of working on those fundamentals to give yourself more opportunities to play in, in different ways. So uh, if I think it's very easy to just focus on what you think of as as work um, without thinking about the play not just later on or down the line but but at the same time whether it's it making the work playful or just finding breaks that are playful in between work but i like the way you kind of um brought it back to sort of even whenever you're trying to learn fundamentals of say a movement or some a new a mm -hmm. new learning prospect you know you kind of have to either filter in some play or make it play yeah there's yeah. almost two choices yeah i i think it's 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 also just not or finding work it, it can be finding work that 
that is play for you, um, right? It's and that can be hard because sometimes you have to do certain work and pay the bills. But if you can keep an eye out for things that people will pay you to do that also feel like play to you, uh, I think there's uh, a magic in that, uh, which can be hard to find uh, sometimes, um, but you can always keep looking for it. Have you found it? Uh, well, I think for like what I said is, is a lot of what I've done has really been just like, I'm just doing what I do. So, you know, doing the juggling and putting on juggling shows in undergrad and then grad school while doing my research and then starting up the juggling, which became more of the training and hand-eye body and exercises. It's, yeah, it's, it's what I enjoy doing yeah. and, and, and just have found where other people uh, benefit as well. So I'm not just doing it to benefit other people, but I'm also not just doing it to benefit me. It's, it's having that, uh, you know, finding things that, that sustain yourself, that sustain other people, that sustain partners and people who would pay to help make it happen. Uh, I think uh, uh, it definitely is something that uh, I've found in, in what I do. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I mean, I just keep kind of going back to what you said about intersection. The magic is in the intersection. Yeah, yeah nice. I think that's that the I think it's a, a way you can think about not just the play and creativity, but just life in general is mm -hmm. is looking at things of okay, you have, you know, here's what people expect, but what happens if you try something different? Mm -hmm. Uh in all sorts of ways. So did you play basketball? Yeah, I played through high school. And was that play? Team? Oh, definitely. Uh, and, and again, when you have the team aspect of it, it's the difference between just shooting on a court for practice and being able to connect with people who have that same foundational knowledge uh, and, and instantly being able to connect with them and move and, mm. and uh, in, a, in a way that you, you kind of all are working from that same structure. Uh, so I think that having certain structure things allow people to play because it's that it's not just you're playing with someone else. You're all playing with a certain structure. Mm -hmm. And so uh, just like following a beat and everyone in from, from music side, everyone's following the conductor uh, to play together, uh, having structures that people know the rules, people know uh, uh, how things work, lets you play together. And it's it's. Uh, right, you can go up just having that experience. You can go to a pickup basketball game in the park mm. and know the language, know how to talk to these random people that you wouldn't just randomly go up to in other contexts. But you can be able, to be able to speak the language, and then you're on the court with them, and you're moving all in the same way. You know, you know when to pass, how to cut, how to move, mm -hmm. and it's. Right, it's like a music or dance or, or any of that. It's, it's, and you, you know, people, if you play basketball in slow motion, it looks like ballet. Uh, and so it, it really isn't uh, too different in that, especially uh, from the group dynamic. Do you think the competition aspect can take the mindset of play away? Uh, I think it may be how you approach the competition aspect. I think there's a healthy competition uh, where you're pushing yourselves and pushing each other and encouraging each other, uh, but not more of the forceful, angry <laughs> uh, type competition. And, and maybe that is for other people. For me, that's not the type of competition that uh, I tap into. Um, it's you know pushing myself, pushing each other, encouraging each other, uh, and. Uh, and so I think that there, the right a challenge to yourself or a competition with other people can be fun and part of play. Uh, mm -hmm. And I think it's just how you approach it and surround it, uh, mm -hmm. or provide that support and nurturing during it, uh, and you know giving people space to feel comfortable with failure. 
mm. and not being afraid of that. Uh, all of those things tie in and can tie in well with uh, competition element. Uh, it just, you can take it one direction or a different direction. And mm -hmm. so uh, I think it definitely can work well. I know that you have some circus background and there's one camp who believes that the competitive sports and, and things like that are not as much of play that they're a little bit more of their own, of their own vein perhaps, but yeah. And I, I think, I think it, it, it's a, it can be that. Um, but I think circus can also be, you know, very disciplined, rigid structure, uh, yeah. as well. Uh, I think, I think a lot of, of, of learning and circus and especially from a, uh, non-professional side is very much not about the competition and a lot of people who might not connect to team sports would gravitate towards the circus or movement from that side uh, but I also think that not I think things from the outside with team sports also can look more rigid and and less play than they are uh, in, in the sense that, that a good coach, right, a good basketball mm -hmm. coach will nurture uh, that ability to move past failure. Uh, yeah. They will encourage uh, creativity and paying attention to your teammates and, mm -hmm. and not just being, you know, taking all the shots, but being a good passer and supporting uh, the team dynamic. Mm -hmm. uh, and, and so if you're not, if you don't connect to that culture, and then if you don't have the right environment, I would guess a lot of sports, right? You talk about parents yelling at umpires right. in youth sports, probably a lot of sports are maybe a less healthy form of competition, but that doesn't mean the concept of that team sport can't have that playful, yeah. uh, supportive uh, form of competition. Hmm. Oh, we're rounding, rounding the corner here. Just a few more questions. I'm wondering though, have you ever caught yourself playing and then shamefully decided to stop or had to make a decision to like, kind of, you know, either keep going or kind of. Well, I think similar to uh, like what I said about juggling in the park and then if there's other people, it changes the dynamic, right? It's, oh, they're supposed to be there. Mm -hmm. I think if I'm sometimes by myself, I'm doing it, you know, it's the grass is nice, the sun is nice, uh, and I'm doing it. But there can be sometimes if you're by yourself, an element of being self-conscious of like, you know, someone's like, oh, show off, right? It's like, even if that's not your intention, uh, so you can be a little self-conscious of it. Um, but it's, again, I, I'm not so much like that now, but I definitely, I feel, um, have had had that in some ways uh but it, but giving myself creating ways to have that group dynamic uh where it's not just me out in the park by myself uh makes it a lot not just welcoming for me but like i said welcoming for other people mm -hmm. uh, to join as well hmm. yeah so kind of having a group to kind of normalize or whatever. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, is there such a thing as mean play? Uh, mean play. Uh, that's a good question. Uh, I think, you know, you can take structures that could be playful and could be done not playful. So I just gave that example uh, with basketball or sports, you can take the same structure and it can be play even with the competition, or it can be more mean in, in that type of competition. Uh, and so I think same thing, you can tell a joke that on its structure is funny. It's funny because it's unexpected, because it plays with the, if you break down the theory of comedy and you know rule of three, whatever it is, right? It can be funny, but it can also be a hurtful joke to someone uh, or inappropriate that offends someone and, and doesn't make someone feel good. So, so 
something that, so I would say in that way, um, right, if a joke can be technically funny, but still mean, mm. then play on the broader sense also could be, um, right, if, you know, thinking about consent and, and making sure everyone's comfortable with the play, it might not be even uh, uh, so uh, strong, like purposefully mean, but if you're not paying attention to what people are comfortable with or how you're pushing them or, uh, or moving with them, it, then, then that it might not mean might not be the word, but it's not a good thing uh, in that context. And, and so uh, I think it's, it's both things that are purposefully mean and unintentionally mean mm -hmm. uh, it's important, you know, is it inclusive or not? Um, right. If, if you're playing and someone is left out because they can't, it's not inclusive to the way they can play, mm -hmm. then that won't make them feel good and welcome and, 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 and things like that. So I think that, um, that in that context, it's, it's always important to pay attention to, to, uh, even if it's not your intent, how is the play coming off? Even if you're enjoying the play, how, how is it feeling for everyone else? Yeah. Yeah. It sounds like you do. You know, you're kind of going back to, it's good to kind of pay attention and, and find out what the response is that, or the reaction is for anybody you're with. Yeah. It's, it's right. It goes back to that listening, observing and paying attention to people. Mm -hmm. hmm. Well, Jacob, is there anything that you like to play that you can play without a device, without a juggling ball, without a racket? Uh, well, I think it's, uh, it's just doing things together. Although I, I think I really connect to the movement, uh, piece of it, but, but just doing things together, my wife and I would sometimes just randomly, if we're walking to, from one room to another, one of us might like march, like a little stutter step march. And so then the other person would move, like getting in sync. Right. So just like five seconds of, of play. Um, but, but it's, I think it's just, uh, being, I think it, I think especially, uh, being together with other people, uh, you don't need the, the props, uh, to be able to play. Mm -hmm. Um, but at the same time, I think finding some sort of structure that you both tap into. So you're not just having to, you know, play with each other, but create the dynamic that you're both exploring something together and or figuring out something together, solving a puzzle together. Um, I think that there's something uh, to that. I think it's good to connect just directly to one another, but also creating the dynamic where you're both working on something together. Um, uh, and like I said, comparing to research, some of my favorite uh, pieces from the academic side is when we were doing a group project and I, I, you know, work on this piece of it. And I say, Hey, here's what I built. And then the other person's like, yeah, I built this. And here's how then we like, we're each working on something yeah. together uh, and bringing it uh, together um, uh, where it's not just sitting there with no context. Um, so I think that's where the play can come in uh, in any forms when you have that context that you're both tapping into at the same time creates a different dynamic to interact with the other person. Yeah, it's really, it sounds like it's more mosaic or kind of layered, layered play, mm -hmm. layered function. Yeah, nice. Well, is there anyone you have known to be really good at playing that I should try bringing on the pod? Uh, well, definitely there's more <laughs> juggling and circus folks. Uh, someone uh uh let's see a, a few folks uh david hutchins is a great person around storytelling uh which definitely relates on uh, and just his personality and approach uh and then uh gary ware you could look up uh he does a lot with play with corporate teams uh which could be good as well well Jacob, this has been so fun. I feel like you have so much wisdom about, especially what comes to mind is about staying curious. And it sounds like you have really embodied that throughout your life. It just, 
in play and in making play making the things that don't seem like play <laughs> playful so, yeah no I, I, like i said it's i just kind of do what i do and it's the same underlying uh way of interacting with the world i always like learning from ot's and uh and making those connections yeah likewise likewise i think ot's I really think OTs could really benefit from having more play and mm -hmm. being more playful. Mm -hmm. Well, it was so sweet to get to know you. I feel like yeah. there's um, yeah, just so much wisdom in your words, and I think our audience is really going to love it. Awesome. Well, thank you. Now, I want you to get out there and play, everybody. Let's build a world that's a little lighter a little less harsh, and a little more connected. Let's build the world that we want to have. And don't forget to follow Playfully on Spotify or Apple or wherever you're listening right now. Our episodes come out on Wednesdays every week so you can get inspired to play right over that hump through the rest of the week. I'd love to know what you think. So would you please leave me a comment? And if you liked the episode, share it with one or two others. And take care, everybody. <laughs>